You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. As we are kicking off our series for Advent, today is the first Sunday of Advent. This is the season of preparation for the celebration of Christmas. Here we go. And Advent comes from a Latin word meaning uh, coming or arrival. What we do in this season is we remember Jesus' first coming, that he came to us at Christmas time. We look forward to the fact that he will come again. But then we do a third thing. We open our hearts to him coming to us afresh in this season. And so this is a season of, of worship. This is a season to prepare our hearts. And I think one of the things that can happen this time of year is we can get so caught up in the celebration that we miss the preparation for the real purpose of Christmas. We can get so caught up in the celebration. We can get caught up in the, the parties and the, and the shopping and the rushing around and all of, of that stuff. And I'm not saying all that stuff's bad, but we can get so caught up in the celebration that sometimes we miss the preparation for the true purpose of Christmas, and that is to have a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been so excited for something that you actually forgot to make adequate preparations for it? Let me give you some examples, okay? Maybe you married people. Have you ever been excited to celebrate your anniversary at that new restaurant? There's only one problem. You forgot to make reservations at that new restaurant? <laughs> That's happened to me before like several times. There's been a restaurant I wanted to go to and I forgot to make reservations. And by the time I called, I couldn't even get a reservation. Or maybe you were excited to go to that event, but you forgot the tickets or you forgot to get tickets. Years ago when I was living in my hometown of New Orleans, someone gave us uh, free tickets to go to a New Orleans Saints preseason game. And we drove about 40 minutes to the Superdome. We were standing in line and we realized we forgot the tickets. And kickoff was about to happen. We had no time to go home. So we ended up having to buy tickets. Or have you ever uh, been excited to go on a trip, but you forgot your license or your passport? Has that ever happened to you before? I have a friend who was taking his family on vacation to Cancun with another family, and he didn't realize that his passport had expired until he got to the airport. Can you imagine totally ruined his plans and his friend's vacation plans? In fact, Jesus' very first miracle, the miracle where he turned water into wine, it was actually the result of someone not making adequate preparation, okay? This father had forgotten to get enough wine for his daughter's wedding, and so Jesus had to turn the water into wine. In fact, I saw a funny picture on Facebook the other day of uh, wine in the water section. Jesus was here. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. He's a miracle-working God. <laughs> But I think we can get really caught up in, in the celebration. And I think everything at this time of year pressures us to speed up, doesn't it? Like we feel the stress. We have so much to do, so much planning, so much shopping. And, and we feel the pressure to, to speed up this time of year. In fact, we have a saying, hurry up, Christmas is coming. But here's what I love about Advent. Advent comes along this time of year and it reminds us to slow down, to slow our hearts down to prepare our hearts for a fresh encounter with Jesus. And if you're going to do that, you got to slow down. This is a season of worship. This is a season of reflection. This is a season of generosity. It's not a season of exhaustion and burnout and stress and, and debt. And so here's the idea. If, we're, if we don't prepare our hearts, we'll miss out on the purpose of Christmas. Let me say that to you again. If we don't prepare our hearts, we'll miss out on the purpose of Christmas. And that is 
to have a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. And Christians often say things like, Jesus is the reason for the season. You've probably said that before, but guess what? Then we end up doing the holiday season like everybody else. We eat too much, we drink too much, we spend too much, we get in arguments with our family around the dinner table at Christmas, we rush around and we get to the end of this month and we get everybody else's results. If, you, if you're gonna get something different than everybody else's results, then you have to do something different. You gotta prepare differently. I don't know about you, I don't wanna get to the end of this month and all I did was spend a whole bunch of money and stress out and overwork myself. I wanna, I wanna get to the end of this month knowing that I've had encounters with Jesus Christ, knowing that I've had moments of worship, knowing that I've had moments to get closer to Him. And so we gotta prepare differently than everybody else. I love the words of one of my favorite Christmas carols, Joy to the World. Anybody like Joy to the World? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Read this out loud with me. Let every heart prepare him room. Church, that's what we're after in this season. We want to prepare hearts. We want to prepare our hearts. We want to prepare, prepare room in our hearts for a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. We want our hearts to be a Bethlehem where Jesus can come and give birth to something new in our lives. And so I want to invite you on this first Sunday of Advent to purpose in your heart, to prepare your heart to be intentional as we begin this season, that you and I would make this a season of worship, that we would prepare our hearts, let every heart prepare him room. At the top of our list, let's let our greatest priority be to get closer to Jesus. Are you with me? Come on, how many of you would say, Pastor, I'm in. Let's make this a season of worship. All right, the rest of you are gonna get there. Five of you are with me. The rest of you, by the end of this message, I'm believing you're gonna be there. <laughs> well, today, that's what I wanna talk to you about, how to prepare your heart for Christmas. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3. And I want us to look at the life of the person who God used to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And that is John the Baptist. Let me reintroduce him to you this morning before we get into our text today. John was a relative of Jesus, a cousin of Jesus. His mother, Elizabeth, was a relative of Mary, Jesus' mother. Uh, she was her relative, so they were, they were cousins. And his conception was also miraculous. Now, it wasn't a virgin birth. John got here the good old-fashioned way. <laughs> but it was a miraculous birth. The angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, who was married to Elizabeth, and he said, your, your wife is going to get pregnant and give birth to a son. But they were past childbearing years, and she had been barren. So this was a miraculous conception. And the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that your son, your wife is going to give birth to this son. I want you to name him John. He's going to be the forerunner. He's going to be the one who's going to be used by God to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, the Savior who would come to his people. And so think about it this way. John the Baptist was really the bridge between the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles who would help usher in the kingdom of God into this world. And so let's jump into it. Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist shows up on the scene and he begins preaching. It says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. That's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Look at John, uh, look at verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt 
around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. So he's kind of an interesting guy, okay? There weren't a lot of people swiping right on his dating profile. Unless you ladies are into camel's hair and guys who eat locusts and honey. I'm just saying. Verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, the whole region of the Jordan River, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So here's John the Baptist. He's kind of this odd character. He lives in the wilderness. He dresses strange. He's this fiery preacher. And he comes preaching this message of repentance. And his main role was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. He was kind of like Jesus' hype man. Do we have any hip-hop fans in the house? Do you know what a, a hype man is? Let me educate the rest of you. The hype man's job, his job is to get the crowd into the concert, right? Like he does the whole call and response to the crowd. He's not the main MC. He's not the main rapper. He knows his job is to prepare the way for the other person who's going to take the stage. Well, that's what John the Baptist was. He was Jesus' hype man. He understood the assignment. It's not about me. It's about the one coming after me. I'm here to prepare the way, to blaze the trail for Jesus. And I think we can learn a lot from John's ministry if we want to prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you three truths about Advent that help us prepare our hearts for Christmas. Come on, we want to have a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. He wants to meet us in this season. There's going to be beautiful times of worship, I believe, over the next few Sundays while you're at home. Come on, all around us, we're driving and listening to the radio, shopping in the mall. The gospel is being proclaimed all around us. And it's time to enter into it. And we've got to prepare our hearts so we don't miss it. And so three truths I want to give you that are going to help us prepare our hearts. Here's the first one. Number one, this is a season to turn your heart to God. That's what the season is about. It's a season to turn your heart to God. Look at this, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Look at John's preaching. Here was his message. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, the biblical idea of repentance, it comes from one of my favorite Hebrew words, teshuva, which is to turn. It's a word picture. It's literally to turn your heart back toward God. And this is what John came preaching. He said, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says, repent so you can be ready to live in the kingdom of God, which is about to break into the world because the Messiah is about to come. He says, get ready because the one who's coming after me is going to usher in the kingdom of God. And so you need to repent so you can be ready to live in this kingdom. See, I want you to understand this. To repent and turn your heart toward God is not just about asking for forgiveness. Don't get me wrong, that's wonderful. That's one of the wonderful benefits of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, that we can go to him for forgiveness. Aren't you thankful for that? But I think sometimes when we think about that, it's kind of like, what's just in it for us? The amazing thing is I have unlimited opportunities to go to Jesus for forgiveness. And that is true. But there's something so much more going on here. To repent isn't just to ask for forgiveness for your sins. It's to defect from the kingdoms of this world and to submit to, to the kingdom, to the reign of God that's broken into this world through Jesus Christ. It's to switch kingdoms. Okay, let me take you back to eighth grade history class for just a moment, okay? Remember studying the American Revolution? 
think back during the American Revolution, uh, the Continental Congress, they, they signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776. That's why you get to have a backyard barbecue every year on July 4th, right? Because on that day, they signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, I want you to get this. That declaration was a defection. From that moment on, the, the founding fathers of this country, they were saying, we are no longer under the rule of the British king, under the, under the British empire. We are switching. We're, we are defecting from that government to being ruled by democracy. And the first modern democracy in the world was born. Do you see it? Now, in a very real way, they were still living under the rule of a king and they had to fight a war for that independence. But from that moment on, essentially America was born because those forefathers defected from the rule of a king to the rule of democracy. I want you to get this church to repent and turn your heart toward God is to say, I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to live under the rule of this fallen world. It's to recognize that we live in a fallen, sinful world, but I'm defecting from that. I'm no longer aligning myself with the ways of this broken world and its broken results and the way it does things. And I'm aligning myself with the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to truly repent. I'm aligning myself with generosity rather than greed. I'm aligning myself with compassion rather than indifference. I'm aligning myself with selflessness rather than self-centeredness. I'm aligning myself with forgiveness rather than getting even. I'm aligning myself with love and grace and mercy and goodness. Do you see it? I'm defecting from the brokenness of this world, the sinful, fallen world that we live in, and I'm aligning myself with a different kingdom a different kingdom. Here's the point. Jesus didn't just come to die on a cross. He came to inaugurate a kingdom. He didn't just come to die on a cross. He came to usher in a kingdom. He doesn't want to just be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. And it's time to dethrone ourselves and make Jesus our king. The reality is, is we like being the king and the queen of our own life. And, and I want you to understand that, that I think often we want to invite Jesus to come live in our kingdom. That's the truth. Like we like having Jesus as savior, but we don't always like him being Lord of every area of our life. Oh, don't get quiet on me on the first Sunday of Advent. We like having him as savior. That's wonderful. In fact, what do we teach kids in kids' church? Ask Jesus to come into your heart. And that's a wonderful way for them to understand salvation. The problem is that we still kind of stay there as adults. Jesus, I want you to come live inside of my castle where I'm in charge of everything and I get the benefit of being forgiven of my sins. And Jesus says, no, no, I want to blow up your castle because my kingdom is so much bigger than you. I'm calling you to come submit to my lordship, my rule, my reign in your life. And so Advent is the perfect time to realign our hearts to the rule and the reign of the kingdom of God. And so let me make that practical for you. What you do over the next few weeks is as you examine your heart, when you find areas where your will doesn't line up with his will, we say, God, I'm choosing your will. I'm submitting to your rule and your, your reign. We're talking about preparing our hearts for Christmas. Advent is a season that reminds us to slow down and make some preparation. What can we learn? Number two, this is the season to confess and be cleansed. It's a season of confession and cleansing. Look at what happened in Matthew chapter three, verses five through six. Let's look at this again. It says, people went out to him. They went out to John the Baptist from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, verse six, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
Now, I can picture this because back in 2018, I went to the Holy Land and I got baptized. We have a picture here. And that was a pretty cool moment. And people always ask me, what was that like to get baptized in the Jordan River? I'll tell you what it was like. It was a sacred, amazing experience if you can get past the fact that the water is freezing cold and there's fish in there biting on your ankles. Because <laughs> that's what it's like to get baptized in, in the Jordan River. And so what did baptism mean Back in those times, you know, like we have baptism, obviously, as, as Christians now in the Church of Jesus Christ. Well, a couple different things. Um, some rabbis baptized people who had become ceremonially unclean. So let's say, for example, someone touched a dead animal, and according to the Old Testament laws, they were ceremonially impure and unclean. They could go and be, and be washed in a special pool, be baptized and be cleansed. Um, some rabbis, commentators tell us that some rabbis baptized Gentile converts, those who came from paganism and, and wanted to follow the one true God, they were baptized. In either case, here's what we know. Baptism always symbolized cleansing. And it still does to this day. Think about what Christian baptism means now. We're, we're baptized. We get submerged into the waters, right? We go down into the waters. We identify with the death of Christ. We die to our sinful nature. We die to our sins. And then we're raised out of the waters to new life. And literally, it's a picture that our sins have been forgiven and, and cleansed. And so the people were confessing their sins, they were responding to John's preaching, confessing their sins, and then John would baptize them as a symbol of, of cleansing. Here's the idea today. Confession positions me for cleansing. Confession is the entryway. It's the doorway to the kingdom of God. Connect the dots. John said, repent, turn your heart to God. The kingdom of God is about to break into this world. And the entryway is to confess, to confess your sins and be cleansed. That is how we're forgiven. And it's the opposite approach to, to religion. Religion says, I'm going to do all of these good things to win God's favor. Religion says, I'm going to try really hard. Religion says, I'm going to clean myself up and then God will accept me. But grace comes along and flips that upside down and says, no, no, God already accepted you in your sins. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And so we confess our sins. We confess that we need Jesus. We confess that we bring nothing to the equation of salvation and we throw ourselves on his grace and mercy. And when we do that, the sinless life of Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives and we are cleansed. That's what grace says. Grace says God accepted you in your sins. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jeremy, my life is a little bit less than 100% sanitized. I've got some hangups. I've got some habits. I've got some sins. I've, I've got some temptations I, regular, or I, wrestle, I wrestle with. Let me just tell you, you're in the right place because the church of Jesus Christ, this is rehab for sinners. You're in the right place. This is the place to confess and be cleansed, okay? If you are perfect, please do not join this church because this is not a church for perfect people, okay? I've been pastoring these people for years. They're all messed up. I'm just telling you. <laughs> First John chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. Look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Hello, the first step to recovery is to admit you have a problem. We've got to admit we have a sin problem. Verse 9, here's the good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice, here's what John says. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins. Not if we make excuses, if we blame other people, if we claim to be a good person, if we try to be really perfect. God will accept us. No, no, if you confess your sins, that is the path 
to being cleansed by God. When you confess your sins, he cleanses you. Have you ever had a day, maybe a, maybe on a hot summer day, you're out working in the garden or running errands and you just got sweaty and dirty and you came inside and you took a shower and you felt like a new person? Anybody ever had that before? That is the picture, church, of what God wants to do for us. He wants to cleanse us. And here's the sad thing. So many of us have been carrying around guilt and shame and feeling a sense of condemnation. And Father God would say to us today, just come to me. In fact, he's the God who's running out to meet us. He runs out to meet us and he says, all you have to do is, is confess and come to me. And I can wash away all those sins. I can take away that guilt. I can take away that, that shame. Confession is the entryway into the kingdom of God and we're cleansed as we step into it. Number three, what do we do to prepare our hearts for the Christmas season? Number three is this is a season to inspect your fruit. How can you be prepared? How can you be prepared for what God wants to do in your life this time of year? You can turn your heart toward God. You can confess and be cleansed. And then you gotta inspect your fruit. You might say, Pastor Jeremy, that sounds weird. What does that mean? Well, let's look at this. Let's keep going in our text. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. It says, but when he, John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. If God wants children, he can raise them up even from stones. He doesn't need you. Verse 10, the ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow, John, tell us how you really feel. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Gotta love John. He's this fiery preacher and here's the interesting thing. Like Jesus, John reserved his strongest condemnation, not for the everyday ordinary sinner, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the blatantly immoral people. No, he reserved his strongest condemnation for the religious leaders. Why? Because so much of their religious practice was for show. It was on the outside. In other words, he's, he says, you haven't really truly repented. You don't really have any evidence that there's true repentance, that there's true life change going on. And look what he says in verse 9. He says, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as, as our father. In other words, he says, don't tell yourself, I'm saved because I'm Jewish. I'm saved because I'm an Israelite and Abraham is our forefather and we are the, the descendants who inherited the great promise that God made to him. He says, no, 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 God could raise up stone, could raise up sons of Abraham from stones. He says, basically true Israelites are those who truly follow after God with all of their hearts. And here's the idea. I think John would say to us, we have to give up anything that we're tempted to use to justify ourselves. See, the Pharisees would justify themselves by saying we're children of Abraham. And, and I love how he says, don't say to yourself, because I think subconsciously there are a lot of things that we say to ourselves to justify ourselves. What is it that you find yourself saying? I hear people say a lot of different things, you know. I, well, I was baptized Catholic, so I'm good to go. I was raised in Sunday school. I give money in the church. I'm a good person. I try to help people when I can. I've memorized a lot of Bible verses, blah, blah, blah. There are a lot of different things we say to ourselves. But I think John would say, you gotta, if you're going to be justified by Jesus Christ, you have to give up anything that you're using to justify yourself. Because see, inside of every one of us 
is a little Pharisee who wants to, you know, feel really good about all of our religious accomplishments and justify ourselves and judge other people. And the Holy Spirit wants to perform a procedure on us. It's called a pharisectomy. He wants to get in there and cut that little Pharisee out of your heart and take him out so your heart can be open to be cleansed and forgive him. <laughs> Everybody learned a new word today. John says this in verse 10. He says, yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And so this is the whole fruit part, okay? Here's the idea. We're all producing some kind of fruit with our lives. Fruit is just an analogy. It's a, it's a word picture of the results you're getting. The way you live determines the results you get, okay? If you don't like the results you're getting, take a look at the way you're living your life. Your life is perfectly designed right now to give you the results that you're getting right now. So reverse engineer the process if you need to change some things because we're all producing some kind of fruit with the way we live. The question is whether it's good or bad fruit. And John says basically a fruit tree is only as good as its fruit. If you want to know how the tree, tree is doing, inspect the fruit. If you've got an apple tree, a pear tree, an orange tree, it's not rocket science. Is it producing good fruit? If the fruit is good, then the tree is healthy. If the fruit is bad, then you know the tree is not healthy. And so you have to inspect your fruit. Why? Because true repentance brings life change. It's about life change. Jesus doesn't want us to stop short of confession. He wants to bring transformation into your life. And transformation looks like something. You should be able to look at your life and see some results, see some fruit. Let me give you a really helpful list. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Galatians chapter 6. And many of us know about the fruit of the Spirit, but we don't always read the list that comes before it. Let's look at these two different lists of fruit. Galatians 6, verse 19 through 23. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Read this list self-reflectively. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And can I just tell you, whenever you get to a list like that in the Bible, just take your time, pause, and read it carefully. Pause and read it sensitively. I hate to burst your bubble today. Paul didn't write that list for somebody else. He wrote it for us. And we've got to slow down and read it. I did that this past week. I took some time to read that list and it was convicting. I took some time to read that list and do a little spiritual inventory of my life and I recognized some bad apples. I recognized some weeds that I need the Holy Spirit to pull up. And so whenever you get to a list like that in scripture, take your time, read it, be reflective. Now let's look at the good list, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think this list is so eye-opening, right? When we look at these two lists side by side, I think it can be discouraging if you feel a little bit discouraged or convicted today. You're not alone. I think we look at that list and if we're honest, there are things on the first list that we wish we didn't have in our lives. If we're honest, there are, there are more things on the first list than we care to admit if we're really honest with ourselves. And then we look at the other list and those are the things that everybody wants. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to want love and joy and peace and patience. Everybody wants those things. 
People are trying to get those things. And the problem is maybe the reason we don't have the things on the second list is because we have too many things on the first list in our lives. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we gotta do some weeding in the garden. Can I say, Holy Spirit, pluck up some of those things from my life so you can cultivate the soil of my heart to produce good fruit. Now, I wanna encourage you today. Here's the one advantage we have today over John the Baptist's audience. When he came preaching, he talked about fruit. He said, a tree is only known by its fruit. Here's the good thing. Here's the advantage you and I have. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet been poured out, but it's been given to you and to me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. I love what the scripture says. It's the Holy Spirit. He works in you to produce this kind of fruit in your life. So if you are very aware of your failures, if you are very aware of your shortcomings, if you read that first list and listen, there was a sense of condemnation and some guilt. Can I just give you some encouragement today? You're not in it by yourself. You're not doing this on your own. You're not doing this in your own efforts, in your own strength. If you're, if you're still giving in the temptation every now and then, if there's some days where it feels like one step forward, two steps back, I wanna give you some good news today. The Holy Spirit is in it with you. He is working in you. He is cultivating the soil of your heart. And every now and then you gotta stop and recognize just how far you've come. Just how far you've come. Because the enemy would love to accuse us today of all the things on the first list, but here's the reality. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And some of you, you've been walking with Jesus. You've been praying. You've been getting back up and dusting yourself off every time you fall down. You've been staying at it. And guess what? You got more love in your life than you used to have. Come on, some of you used to be cranky. You used to have negative vibes. Nobody told you to your face, but they said it behind your back. But now you got love. Come on, some of you got joy. You used to be depressed and down, and now you've got the joy of the Lord is your strength. And people are wondering what kind of coffee you're drinking. I'm switching to whatever you're on. Whatever you're smoking, I want some of that. You got joy, love, and joy. You got peace. Some of you used to be worried about everything. You were freaked about everything all the time. Always worried, always anxious, but you just kept walking with God. You kept trusting him. You kept walking with the Holy Spirit and now you enjoy a peace that passes all understanding. Love and joy and peace. Some of you got patience. Oh, you know it's the Holy Spirit if you're a New Yorker and you have patience. Some of you are in traffic. You're in Grand Central. You're not honking your horn as much anymore. You're not yelling at people. You're not stepping on top of people. You got your worship music on. And God has given you the gift of patience. Come on, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. Every now and then you got to step back and recognize He is at work in your life. So don't give up. You're not in it by yourself. Just keep walking with him every day. Stay in fellowship with, with the Holy Spirit because he's working to produce the good fruit that you want in your life. And so let's not get caught up so much in the celebration this year that we miss the preparation for the true purpose of Christmas, to have an encounter with Jesus. Because here's the sad truth. Most people, most people in America celebrate Christmas, but miss out on Jesus. Really, that's not even like Christian talk. Think about it. Like this is, this is the most well-loved holiday in, in our culture. Plenty of secular people celebrate Christmas. Plenty of people who don't even love Jesus celebrate his birthday. It's the weirdest thing in the world if you stop and think about it. We're walking around the mall and the mall's literally saying, joy to the world, the Lord has come, right? And people are just shopping and having parties and doing whatever they're doing and they miss out on Jesus. And in some ways it's tragic. And literally the good news 
that people so desperately need is being proclaimed all around us. And so many people go through this season and they miss him. They miss an encounter with him. But listen, what a tragedy it would be for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus to miss out on what he wants to do in our hearts over this next few weeks in this really special season. So we've got to prepare our hearts. Let every heart prepare him room. Think about it. If you had somebody really special come in to visit you at your house, you would make preparations, wouldn't you? I mean, look, if it's a friend or family member dropping by, you're not even taking out the vacuum. You're like, whatever, come on in, you're good. But if your favorite celebrity came to your house, I would say the president of the United States, but that's too divisive these days. Some of you would lock the door, okay? Think about your favorite celebrity. If it was Taylor Swift coming to your house, okay? Or Beyonce, whatever floats your boat. Coming to visit your house, you would straighten up the house a little bit. You would vacuum, you would clean, you would put the dishes away. You would have some coffee and some refreshments ready. <laughs> you, you, would be, you would prepare that space to meet that person. Listen to me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He is coming. He's, he's coming fresh into your life. He's coming afresh to us in this season and He wants to meet with you. It's time to prepare our hearts. It's time to get really intentional so we can encounter him. And so let me end by doing this today. I want to put a list of questions up on the screen. And maybe you want to take your phone out and take a picture of these um, so you can reflect on it this week. And if you don't take a picture, your neighbor's judging you right now, thinking <laughs> that you have your life all together and you're better than them. But whatever, I'll let you deal with that. Um, here's some questions for you to reflect on this week. I think it's always great to have something to pray through, you know, during the week that's connected to what we're talking about on Sunday morning. So a few questions that may help us prepare our hearts. Here's the first one. Where has your heart gotten out of alignment with the kingdom of God? Where has your heart gotten out of alignment with the kingdom of God? If you can't get a picture, you can go back and watch this on YouTube as well. Um, take stock of your heart. Look at your life and where has, has your will gotten out, of, gotten out of alignment with the will of God, his rule, his reign in your life? Maybe it's the way you're treating people. Maybe it's the way you're talking to people. Maybe it's someone you need to forgive. Maybe it's your sexual integrity. Maybe it's your parenting. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's whatever. I don't know what it is, but examine that. Where has your heart gotten out of sync with the rule and the reign of God in your life? Where do you need to dethrone yourself and make Jesus Lord of every area of your life? Maybe it's the way you spend your money. I don't know. Here's the second one. What do you need to confess so you can be cleansed? What do you need to confess? Listen to me. Here's the good news. This isn't negative. This is positive. This isn't what do you need to confess so you can feel really down and dirty about yourself. No, no. What do you need to confess so you can experience the joy and the peace and the goodness of being cleansed? What do you need to, to, to bring to Father God and just name it? Speak it out. Say it. There's power in your words. Maybe, let me encourage you to take it a step further. Maybe you need to link up with another believer, another brother and sister in Christ and confess it to them. Somebody that you're in life group with, someone that you're serving on a team with, someone that you've made friends with here at Redemption. Let me tell you, the book of James says when we confess, we're healed, brings healing to our hearts. And let me tell you what you can do for another brother or sister in Christ when they confess to you. You can say, in Jesus' name, you are forgiven. In Jesus' name, you are forgiven. How many of you think it would be powerful to name something in your life that you need to let go of and be cleansed of and hear another believer speak over your life. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. Why don't you pray about doing that sometime in the next week or two? And then number three, what kind of fruit is your life producing? Let's examine the fruit of our lives. Go back and revisit 
Galatians chapter six, take some time, pray through that, think through that. A tree is only as good as its fruit. Let's get really open and honest. I'll tell you, I did some of that this week. Needed to spend some time examining the fruit of my life because we all want more love and joy and peace. And we can invite the Holy Spirit to cultivate that in our hearts. And that starts today. Can we just take a moment? Would you just bow your head with me right now as we reflect on those questions? Can we take a moment to purpose in our hearts? Can we take a moment to be intentional on this first Sunday of Advent that this is going to be a season of worship? This is gonna be a season of drawing close to Jesus that we are going to prepare room in our hearts for him. Father, that's our prayer today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of your son. And Lord, today we are turning our hearts back to you. We're turning our hearts back to you. God, some of us recognize that our hearts have drifted, but we turn our hearts to you. We don't just want you as our Savior, but we want you as our King to rule over our hearts, to submit to your Lordship in our lives. And, and we confess our sins today, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we want to feel your cleansing power wash over us today. Just go ahead and name that thing under your breath. Lord, we confess that thing, those things that have not represented your best for us, our sins, and you're removing guilt and shame and condemnation from our hearts even right now in this moment. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to cultivate good fruit in our lives. Some of you need to just make that personal. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you to pluck up some weeds in my heart so you can cultivate more of the good things, more of the fruit of your spirit, God, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Lord, we want those things. And so Holy Spirit, we cooperate with you and we believe you're gonna prepare our hearts for the good things that God has for us. You're gonna produce fruit in our lives. And so Lord, today we purpose it in our hearts. Let every heart prepare him room. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.